Ahoy van, welcome aboard to the Rum Runners podcast hosted by Guy and Deco Gentlemen. We love all things rum and tiki and we invite you to join us as we share our rum related experiences and our favourite bottles. We do not claim to be rum experts and we welcome your interaction as we strive to make a fun rum loving community running the joys of rum throughout the airwaves. Whether you prefer ron, rum or rum, you're in for a great time. Music is the Buccaneers Hall, provided by Shane Pipers. Without further ado, here's your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rum Runners podcast. I'm your host, Deckel Gentleman, and I'm joined by Guy and Guy's Tiki Lounge. Hello, everyone. Ah, glad you could join us for episode two. Uh, just as a, a brief recap, in the first episode, we both shared our thoughts on Dr. Bird, and uh, we also discussed different tiki ingredients and recipes uh, that we enjoy. Um, episode two is going to focus um, on the Isle of Fiji run by plantation. But before we get into that too much, um, we did want to go over uh, some feedback that we got from our listeners. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate um, everyone giving us a try for our first episode and also taking the time to to leave us from some feedback. Um, it was it was pretty helpful. <laughs> Even the scathing feedback. Yes. <laughs> we, we did get a a rather long um, email with some feedback, which I do appreciate the time that was spent doing it, and we definitely have, have considered it. The first piece of feedback was to shorten the length of the podcast and also to be more concise when reviewing the rum. Um, and I think it's important also to say that we aren't here to give a, a thoroughly detailed review of a rum. Um, you can go on multitudes of websites and Reddit subreddits to see very detailed reviews from people who are more into exploring the history and the uh, background behind it and even using um, hydrometers to know or whatever that that correct word is to measure sugar levels and you're not going to get that from us this is more about our personality and how we enjoy drinking it and what we enjoy doing with it a love of rum and its surrounding cultures <laughs> yes and uh we do appreciate you know people making comments and educating us, and I think we made that clear in the first podcast that you know if we did say something wrong or you you would like to present a different viewpoint, we're more than happy to hear from you. But this is not a, a rum purist podcast or a, a cocktail purist one for that matter. Um, we just invite everyone to to join in in a shared experience and community. Um, and, and one of the the feedbacks was. Um, you know, that we, we weren't a hundred percent factual. Maybe you know, I didn't know the, the age of the Smith and cross off the top of my head and everyone who listens is more than welcome to, to join in with that. Um, but we just kind of off the cuff decided to compare the two because they're both pot still Jamaican rums and, uh, you know, we'll do a little bit more research moving forward, but again, we're not going to do, um, a highly in-depth, uh, breakdown of it. Um, I know guy and I were just talking about how, you know, when we look at a rum, does it taste good? You know, what are the basic intriguing facts about it? And how does it work in a cocktail? Yeah, and I'm looking, I'm usually looking for three quick factoids about a rum, right? Maybe where it's, where it's, where it's manufactured, whether it's sugar cane or molasses, is it, is it how long it's aged? After that, my eyes gloss over. So I kind of want to know the, 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 the basic parameters and the rest I want to take out and taste. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, again, there's a lot of resources and just super quick, we're, we'll, uh, we'll leave this for more feedback from the next episode. Um, but I, I do understand that um, last episode, I did kind of imply that the light coloredness of Dr. Bird equated it with um, <laughs> it's how light bodied it is, which 
That's not necessarily true. A lot of rum companies use food coloring to make it darker. And Dr. Bird, you know, without having knowing for sure, it does seem to be a pretty pure Jamaican rum. Um, but I think in its case, it's coincidental that it's light bodied and light colored and other Jamaican rums that could have food coloring in them are, are have typically been darker and a little bit more full bodied. So I just thought that was a unique component of that rum. Um, just impressions. Again, this is both of our impressions about something. So <laughs> again, feel well, free I'm to glad someone is interested in that. <laughs> uh, I, I had a lot of fun with Dr. Bird because I had so many failed experiments with it and you had made some suggestions and I went back to the well and I, I tried them and I was felt, felt re, re rediscovered Dr. Bird. I, um, your suggestion about uh, mixing it maybe with some uh, Gosling's black seal, a darker rum uh, was amazing. It really pulled out the flavor and uh, I was super excited about that. And then later when I was doing some experiments with some bitters that we'll talk about later, I went back to Dr. Bird because I wanted a nice noisy drink. Um, and to me, there's so much going on in that, in that pot still rum that um, it, it really, it really is. It goes out of its way to, to make itself a unique flavor. Yeah. I think uniqueness is really the trait of that. And I think that's what draws me to Jamaican rums is the unique funky, really fruity taste. I mean, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for, and especially a low-aged Jamaican rum. It, it's getting that packed full of flavor, and I think that's what, why, uh, you know, Trader Vic and uh, Beachcomb Berry, why they, they use it in so many drinks. I mean, you look at Mai Tai recipes, all kinds of other tiki recipes, and Jamaican rums feature pretty prominently. Just can't really get that flavor from anything else. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really amazing to, uh, to have another week to work with it. And uh, really pleased with the with what I discovered about it. Yeah. And, and what cocktail did you find, or what pairing did you find that that worked really well for it? Well, like I said, the uh, the the black seal, the 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 dark rum, really complemented it well. Um, if I can if I can combine that with some a little bit of phalanum, a little bit of pineapple juice, a little bit of lime juice, um, everything sort of swirled together in this wonderful little concoction. Um, and there was a lot going on in that drink, but whereas Dr. Bird sort of fought against the other rums, when it got to the dark rum, it sort of, uh, it sort of blended together like sitting on a couch. And I was really pleased about that. Um, and it, and it launched me some other directions with Dr. Bird that I was pleased about. It was just, uh, a challenging one to, to get out of the gate. And, uh, now that I'm comfortable with it and I have a better feel for it, I think it's working a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you were able to take some more time with it and find it find it in a pairing that you like. And I think as we discussed last episode, it's really difficult to directly sub it into a cocktail. I think it's really good for blending. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, and it did a fabulous job with, with the Black Seal. I, I couldn't recommend that enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have any Black Seal to try it with, but as we discussed last time, I paired it with the Demerara 86. It goes well that way. Um and then I think also, Guy, um, you had some a little bit more time to think about what your your favorite Jamaican rum would be. Yeah, you know, I actually went back to my to my uh, bar and and sort of went back and tasted them all and ranked them. Um, you know, the Smith and Cross is still my favorite. 
Um, but I realized as I ranked them how little I liked the J. Ray, um, which was surprising to me. I, I was wondering why I never reached for that bottle, and that sort of reminded me that it was just for me um, a, a less a less flavorful alternative. Um, but I have a couple of the Appletons too, and I was surprised to find out that the uh, <clears throat> the Appleton Especial, which is sort of a blended rum, um, was was particularly flavorful. I was I was uh, I'd forgotten about that bottle. It was way back on the shelf, and I pulled it out again. And uh, you know, I think I was avoiding it because it was a blended rum, and I was all into you know understanding rums and various other things. And then I pulled the blended one out. And I'm like, oh, this is phenomenally smooth. And the flavor was very even. I guess that's why they make blended rums. <laughs> <laughs> and, and which which Appleton was that again? The uh, Especial. Okay. Which is just a just a blended just a blended gold rum. Changed their marketing or their uh, bottle names a couple times. Because um, I have the signature, the eight year, and the twelve year, um, but I don't think I've seen that one. They are particularly old bottles. I would say both that and my Appleton Estate um, aged. They're probably been sitting on the shelf 10 years. So they're probably for quite some time ago. It was fun rediscovering them. Yeah, I bet. I'd love to try some of the older bottles. Um, that would be pretty neat. I, it sounds like they haven't probably changed the actual contents too much. They just messed around with the, the non-clementure a little bit. Yeah, I, I, you know, I haven't uh, bought an Appleton Estate in a while. Um, I probably wouldn't even recognize the labels at this point. I'm going to have to uh, to keep an eye open, but I, I certainly don't expect to see this label anymore. It's very dated. You know, the Reserve turned into eight year, which I think they actually did cha- make some changes to it. And then mm-hmm. I know the 12 year had some kind of different naming to it, which from what I've read, it, it, that didn't change a whole lot. Um, but yeah, Appleton Estate is definitely one of my favorite rum brands. I I just think you know exactly what you're getting with them. And all of them, I think, taste, I, some might differ with me, but I think Signature is plenty good enough to drink by itself. I just love the flavoring to it. It's it's relatively smooth. Um, and it's amazing on cocktails. I I really think that they're they're a solid brand. I don't know that any one of them is necessarily my favorite overall rum, but I would say they're my favorite rum brand um, probably currently just because I love all their products. I think my... Uh... 10 years ago, my shelf rum, I, I always would have grabbed for the Mount Gay brand. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why my Appletons are sitting in the back of the shelf, because I would always grab uh, a Mount Gay selection. Um, but now the world has expanded so much that they're all in the back shelf. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot out there, to be sure. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. you were able to, uh, to revisit the Dr. Bird and your Jamaican rum that you had. And uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with you. Appleton Estate is, is good. And, and I know you said Smith & Cross is your favorite. And I really enjoy Smith and Cross as well. It, it, I did not really enjoy that first. I love the smell, and it was a little too pungent for me. Uh, but over time, I've I've grown to adapt my taste to it, and it's fantastic in cocktails. I think especially if you pair uh, Angostura aromatic bitters with it, it really brings out a nice side to it. Um, and I can drink it by itself a little bit too. But at fifty-seven percent, it's a little little tough on your esophagus sometimes. <laughs> um. Did you want to uh, talk about the Fiji rum, the yeah, plantation? Let's, let's go ahead and jump into that. So as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, plantation Isle of Fiji rum, we uh, we both had the chance to, to try that one. Um, the bottle on it, obviously you can't see in the podcast, is gorgeous. It's one thing that helped me want to buy it at the beginning is because it has 
an iguana on there and all kinds of flora and fauna. Um, really colorful bottle. And of course, with the implantation, it has that kind of netting look to it. Funny you say that because when I saw the bottle, I thought the opposite. I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on there. It's all, it looked like more like marketing, right? right? And the big table and the, the 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 straw on it and everything. I'm like, well, it's just uh, you know that's just uh, marketing. But I'm glad that uh, we decided to take it because it's it's far from uh, a throwaway bottle for sure. Oh yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I know I've heard people say if a bottle is too pretty, it's probably not the most fantastic liquor, um, but Plantation's master of marketing. Um, I mean, I think they're semi-controversial in the rum world for various reasons, but their marketing is on point. I don't think you can argue with that. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just very much into tropical things. So when I saw that bottle, I was like, even if it's not that great tasting, I, I want that bottle on my shelf because it looks cool. It's funny, in my world, uh, plantation sort of exploded on the scene out of nowhere, right? I never saw them. I never saw them. I never saw them. All of a sudden, there were all these plantation bottles, uh, various flavored rums and various other things. I tried one of their dark rums. It's like, hey, this is not bad, but this Fiji rum was really fun and unique. Um, I, I normally am very weary of, of a rum that's aged in a bourbon barrel. I'm always very paranoid about that. I'm not a big bourbon drinker, and I think those notes more than not overwhelm the the aftertaste of the rum and i was so pleasantly surprised by this where i don't think it had any of that negative connotation whatsoever they uh maybe it's because they later you know aged it in another type of uh cast but it really doesn't taste doesn't have that overpowering bourbon barrel taste that i that i just uh, really don't like um quite the opposite it was wonderful right yeah i agree you don't get the bourbon barrel taste at all uh direct directly opposite to a rum like Mount Gay Black Barrel, where I think the defining feature of that one is how much of a bourbon charcoal aftertaste it has. You, you don't get that at all in this. And, um, you know, first first notes on it to me, um, you get a pretty fruity nose on it. Um, definitely, I, I get a little bit of molasses, some fruits. And when you taste it, it does have about 16... Um, milligrams of added sugar so it is a little sweet when you're you're first tasting it neat and you kind of keep going with it and you i i'd certainly get a passion fruit type of flavor to it some other fruity notes and it's very pleasant to drink it it almost feels like to me that the sugar masks a little bit of its potential i'd be curious to see what your thoughts are on that guy i was particularly uh surprised by how fruity it sort of uh, smelled and tasted. I, I wasn't expecting that. And to me, immediately, the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, a rum that's going to pair nicely with an orange juice. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me, orange juice is, is one of the harder things to, to mix with. I always like to go with pineapple juice. It's so easy. It's so forgiving. And orange juice can be acidic. It can be difficult. But when you get a rum like this that has all these pleasant fruity notes, you don't have to be afraid of, of orange juice. You don't have to be afraid of even, you know, potentially banana. Um, and when I mixed it with some orange juice, I'm like, wow, this is coming out really nice. And I ended up, um, I ended up actually taking a painkiller recipe and substituting the Fiji rum. And it was uh, phenomenal. It was just wonderful. And I was so pleased with the result that I'm drinking it right now. Yeah, that's that sounds intriguing to use it in a painkiller. That's not something I've used it in. And I, I do agree that it's extremely fruity. And when you mix it in a cocktail it really lends that, that fruity-ish taste to it and pairs well with, with other fruit juices um, or maybe fruity liqueurs. Um, 
I again, I haven't tried it in a painkiller. That that would be very interesting, and I think it would be a good pairing, um, especially starting out. I usually use tried out rums and daiquiris. I've stopped doing it as much because some rums, in my opinion, you have to really adjust the recipe of the daiquiri for it. Um, but this one, I I really wanted to do in a daiquiri because I thought that it's fruity notes and kind of how the sugar to me is covering up some of the flavors that really are begging to be released. I thought that if I, I made a very dry non frills daiquiri, it would come out. And what I ended up doing was taking a couple ounces of the, the plantation Fiji doing a quarter of an ounce of pineapple rum. Um, I just wanted to, to kind of pair fruits together and give it a little bit of a nudge. I didn't want to put too much. So just a quarter of an ounce of the cut water, um, Valley high pineapple rum, half an ounce of kiwi juice, because I guess, um, as I kind of mentioned in the previous co- podcast, living in Australia for a while, which is Oceania, so Fiji, Australia, New Zealand, that that kiwi really popped into my mind, and I think it ended up pairing really well with it. I did a half ounce of lime juice and then a half ounce of demerara syrup, and then um, shook them with ice and served it straight up. But it was really, really good that way. You got, I think, so much more of that passion fruit was released. Um, pineapple juice uh, or I didn't actually use any pineapple juice but the pineapple rum mixed with it definitely enhanced some pineapple flavors um it's not it didn't end up being overly sweet with those pairings it kind of balanced it out and it ended up being a really really nice sipping uh daiquiri that um is a little bit more complex than a typical daiquiri um but yeah I, I think it really brought out those notes in the rum and that was what I was trying to do just because I think the dose sugar does cover up a little bit of its potential I think your kiwi choice was particularly well thought out. Uh, the fact that it's such kiwi is a, a unique flavor, but it's also uh, under under powerful and underwhelming in a drink, and that's sort of what this rum wanted, right? It wants sort of complementary tastes, and kiwi is such a wonderful choice. Uh, I can see where that worked so well. Yeah, yeah, thanks, and it, um, yeah, it, again, it was probably more of a geographical idea funny enough more than maybe the flavoring combo that made me think of it but it turned out really well and that might be one of the few times i've actually tried using fresh kiwi juice in a drink something i'd like to experiment with a bit more um but yeah i i really think passion fruit's a nice flavor and i i certainly think there's a good amount of it in this one yeah i did have some failure to experiments for some reason early on i thought that um honey might complement it well and that was a big crash and burn that just it just did not work well with it and uh, i don't know what i was thinking now then right in retrospect because i can see where you know palette wise that would be just a clash but you know we have to have failures to have successes oh absolutely yeah i mean as we talked about last podcast i failed with the dr bird a few times before i kind of figured that one out and this one um I actually have ended up drinking quite a bit of it neat just because it's it's inexpensive and it does taste good by itself. And the more you drink it, the more I think some of those flavors come out that you don't necessarily get at the beginning. And that's probably primarily what I've done with it. I really should try it in some more cocktails, but um, I think I enjoy it in cocktails that are a little bit more nuanced and aren't too packed with the fruit juices because there's so much fruit already in it. And it was an amazingly inexpensive rum comparative to its uniqueness. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That was nice. Yeah, and Plantation does have really good price points for the the most part. Um, So, you know, I I haven't 
bought a lot of plantation partially just because they typically use other um, distilleries, rum stocks. And so I, I kind of like going for more of the traditional um, expression of an Island or a country that produces rum. Um, and they, they usually age theirs for a while uh, in the country where it's produced. And then it goes back to France to age another year in, in cognac casts. This particular one was aged two to three years in Fiji before going back. And it's from the only distillery in Fiji um, that's currently operating. So Fijian rum is definitely, at least in where I live, not super prevalent. So it's one of the few expressions I could get. And that's why I think, you know, this this one draws me more because there's not a lot of other availability of Fijian rum where I am. Um, but I, I don't necessarily get plantation as like a truest expression of other countries of rum styles. Right, exactly. It was it was wonderfully uh, it was a wonderful surprise, and uh, definitely will uh, sit on the bar, especially because it, it it's a good looking bottle too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, yeah, if nothing else, those bottles they're very consistently marketed, kind of the same way with that that netting kind of yeah straw around it, as you said. And the bottle shape is very traditional looking. It's pretty easy actually to grip it and pour it too, which I'm sure is part of the point. Um, yeah, it's it's a really fun rum. It's definitely not going to be like your your high end sipper or anything like that. But I think it is for especially for the price, appropriate for sipping and appropriate for putting in, in all kinds of different cocktails. Yes, overall a very friendly to use rum. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen people's reviews of it, and you know, some people are kind of kind of. Uh, you know, for lack of a better word, blase about it. They think it's all, all right. You know, the sugar does cover things up, but I think that can be rectified in cocktails. I think that's when it really shines. But also if you just want to drink a, a few ounces of cheap rum, you don't have to worry about, you know, spending a lot of money to replace. I don't think you can go wrong with sipping on it either. Like you're, you're still going to get really nice fruity aromas from it. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's just overall, it's yeah, I can understand where people say it's blase, but at the, at the price point, it's amazing. Yeah, I would agree. And especially, you know, if, if you're not one of the ones lucky enough to be where you can get some of the other uh, Fijian rums. I know I've seen posts about some other ones that are supposed to be good. I think Transatlantic Lines, if I'm not mistaken, has one that I've seen a lot of posts about, but I don't think I can get that anywhere around here. So this is one of, I think, two expressions available near me. And the other one wasn't rated very well that I looked at. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with this to at least be able to taste what a Fijian rum is, is like. All right, so I think we both agree that the uh, Iowa Fiji Plantation is is a quality budget buy. Um, I think we both would recommend it to anybody. Um, and kind of with the Dr. Bird, if you don't love it, you're not going to have much buyer's remorse with, uh, I think I paid $26 for it. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a, a good bottle to pick up, especially if you're interested in something that's more unique and, and Fijian. Um, so the last part of our, our podcast today, episode two, it's going to be talking about bitters. We, we talked a little bit last episode about how neither of us had really ventured into more unique bitters as much and how we were both going to pick up um, something a little bit new to our repertoire. Um, so I'll, I'll let Guy lead off with that and see what experience he had. Yeah, I certainly bit off more than I can chew with this one. I went and, uh, you know, my, my rule was, you know, just uh, just pick something other than orange, right? So I ended up with... Um, and maybe I should have read the bottle first, rhubarb bitters, which 
upon further reflection, I think, wow, that should be really interesting. I like rhubarb. I like rhubarb pie. Wouldn't rhubarb be fun? Yeah. But what a difficult, difficult flavor match rhubarb was. Um, I must have spent uh, an hour trying different combinations of we'll work with this rum, we'll work with this rum. And here's the funny part. What I ended up stumbling upon was Dr. Bird. <laughs> and I took my noisy Dr. Bird and I mixed it with a little uh, Mount Gay uh, sugarcane Barbados rum and uh, took a little Cointreau and then put some rhubarb bitters in it. And you want to talk about something that tastes different almost every time you sip it. That was a really, really interesting combination that I think people would enjoy. Huh. That's really fascinating. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry if you already said it, but it was Mount Gay, the Dr. Bird, the rhubarb bitters. And what else did you put in it? Cointreau. Cointreau. Okay. Nice. That does sound good. And it sounds like you you didn't make it too busy where it would really shine through. I mean, what, what type of, did you get a really rhubarby taste to it? Yes and no. I mean, the rhubarbs are very, very overpowering bitter. So you're just using just a little bit of splash, but when you, when you sip something, I, I, well, I had so much trouble working with it. I decided that I would go the opposite route and pick and find the most noisy drink I could find. Um, went right back to the Dr. Bird. Quantro for me is always almost an intrusive uh, addition to, to, a, to a rum cocktail. And then went with the rhubarb bitters. And as I chilled that and mixed it all out, and really the, the, the Mount Gay Barbados rum was cer- certainly just for balance um, and uh, something else in there to, that was much more neutral. Um, it was really interesting that every time you sipped it, sometimes you'd, you'd feel the Cointreau come out. Sometimes you'd feel the rhubarb come out. Sometimes you'd feel the Dr. Burke come out. And it was weird. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'd be handing them out to uh, at a party, but it was really fun to sort of drink a couple of those and say, wow, this is, this is so much different every time I, every time I sip it. Yeah, I, that fascinates me. I wouldn't mind trying that myself. I've seen rhubarb bitters quite a few times and kind of like what you were saying I, I have no idea how to use them um first thing that comes to mind is mixing it maybe with like creme de cassis and something else to give it a pie-like taste but i'm i think what you did was brilliant getting it to mix well with um you know a cup uh, a rum and um Cointreau and i that that actually sounds good i'd like to try and see what that tastes like um yeah, I, I didn't go quite as um, bold as you, I guess. I uh, I went with uh, citrus bitters, specifically um, grapefruit, which I hadn't really tried anything except for orange bitters in that category. And um, I figured kind of based off our discussion last episode, where we talked about using orange bitters in place of orange juice, that maybe I could get something that would replace, to some extent, grapefruit juice. Um just because I don't use a lot of it and um, having it on hand all the time is kind of a pain sometimes. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to get bitters I could play with and, and maybe to some degree replace uh, the grapefruit juice. And so um, I went with a recipe that I found online, uh, I believe it's from Sirius Eats. It's called an ancient mariner and it's um, an adaptation of a Navy grog. And um, the, the recipe originally has lime juice, simple syrup, which I, I used Demerara syrup instead, which I, I almost always do in rum cocktails, allspice dram, um, supposed to be grapefruit juice, a half ounce, and then Dem- Demerara rum and Jamaican rum. 
And so I decided to sub out the grapefruit juice with the grapefruit bitters. And I then bottle says to use a drop or two. And I followed that pretty closely because I know, especially grapefruits, very bitter. And I didn't want to overwhelm the drink. And um, I know that the, the Navy Grog is supposed to mix like the cinnamon syrup and the, um, the grapefruit supposed to mix really well together. And I thought this recipe's use of allspice dram was brilliant because it has cinnamon in it and allspice and um, some other ingredients. I actually made my own allspice dram uh, last year and it tasted so good together. Um, wow, congratulations on that part. Yeah, thank you. It was, um, you know, I actually think I might have liked it better than the grapefruit juice. You still had that grapefruit balance. The bitters very much balanced the rest of the drink and mixed well with the cinnamon allspice flavor. Um, but it, it had more of kind of that balancing grapefruit taste than maybe a juice would. Now, to be honest, I haven't ever juiced a grapefruit. Um, I mean, those things are gigantic and I don't have a proper uh, citrus juicer. I usually use grapefruit juice that I buy in the store, which I know is probably not the best. Um, but using the bitters gave it that that distinct flavor with minimal effort, um, just a couple drops. And I think it was more pronounced than using actual grapefruit juice would be. So um, that was fairly successful, I think. And I, I think I could really find some other things to put the grapefruit bitters in. But um, admittedly, I don't think I was quite as ambitious as, as Guy's attempt, which I think was absolutely brilliant the way it turned out. Well, I hope people uh, that are listening, if they've had experience with either one of these bitters, uh, shoot us some suggestions because um, like it, it took me an hour to find something for the rhubarb that worked and it could take me days to find something else. So if somebody else has something, I'd love to hear. Yeah, I would, I would love it too. And I know your experience kind of makes me want to buy the, the rhubarb bitters as a challenge. I, I know I, I, I'm really thinking about using it with like a creme de cassis and seeing how that would go. It's interesting. I know recently um, at a local place called McMenamins, I had an experience with a peanut butter whiskey, which is, really popular and i know this isn't a rum subject but they made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with uh, raspberry liqueur which was fascinating and i'm thinking like with the rhubarb bitters you could use rum but maybe make like a pie like drink with like creme de cassis the, which is a blackberry liqueur wow that's a great idea yes now i can i can sort of i'm looking i'm staring at the bottle now thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure uh, how the execution would work, but it, it interests me to try something like that. Well, that's the fun about this whole thing, right? Is that you don't know what it's going to be like until you mix it together and find out. Yeah, no, I agree. Completely agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well speaking I, of mixing together, what are we doing next week? Yeah, that's a good segue right there. Um, so next week, um, we, we had a discussion and um, another common rum that we both have is Florida Canna 12 year. Um, so we're going to venture more into a, a sipping rum rather than um, the, the last couple we've done, which are a little lower shelf, more for, for mixing in mind. Um, this one is definitely more of a sipping rum. So we'll, we'll see how that goes venturing into that. And we'll have some notes and some ideas. Um, I might even have a, a cocktail or two to throw it into just because I think sometimes a, a higher end rum can really elevate a cocktail. And so we look forward to discussing that with you next time. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. As am I. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we, we appreciate you listening. And just like last time, please let us know if you have any feedback, any suggestions. Um, and even if you really find this interesting and love rum and cocktails and 
would even want to join us at some point, um, let us know that as well. Um, but until next time, uh, keep running the rum, and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rum Runners podcast. I'm your host, Deckel Gentleman, and I'm joined by Guy and Guy's Tiki Lounge. Hello, everyone. Ah, glad you could join us for episode two. Uh, just as a, a brief recap, in the first episode, we both shared our thoughts on Dr. Bird, and uh, we also discussed different tiki ingredients and recipes uh, that we enjoy. Um, episode two is going to focus um, on the Isle of Fiji run by plantation. But before we get into that too much, um, we did want to go over uh, some feedback that we got from our listeners. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate um, everyone giving us a try for our first episode and also taking the time to to leave us from some feedback. Um, it was it was pretty even, helpful. <laughs> even the scathing feedback. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>